Hello, awesome people. It's time for another podcast where we talk about life and spiritual growth and all the things. And in this podcast, I want to talk about the Peter Principle and how it applies to life, your career, your spiritual path and everything. So if you haven't heard this one, this is a good one. And it's something that if you don't know about it, now you will. But it's also something that's phenomenal to tell young folks that you know, kids, right, who are who are growing up. <laughs> and it's also something to use to look back at your own life, to look at inflection points that you have and to do healing and reconciliation around it. So it goes like this. I was watching a movie last night and I don't love at all, I don't like to give spoilers. So I will just say this. The movie last night brought up this concept to me and it reminded me about it. And it was in this movie, there was a person who could have been promoted, but they didn't want to be promoted. And so they refused promotions again and again and again. And the higher ups who had been promoted looked at that as a failure. They said, what's wrong with you? You know, you could be promoted, but you're not. And this character said, I am where I'm meant to be. Like I'm in my I would say I'm in my sweet spot. They didn't say sweet spot, but I'm going to say I'm in my sweet spot. So the Peter principle is, it's a a concept in management, right? Developed by, it looks, it says, according to the internet, Lawrence J. Peter, which is why it's called the Peter principle. I never knew that, why it was called that. And it says, it states that if you perform well in your job, you will likely be promoted to your next level of your organization's hierarchy and you will continue to rise up the ladder until you reach the point where you can no longer perform well. That's a nice way to put it. When I was uh, uh, in the 90s in the corporate, <laughs> in, the, in, a, in corporate fast growing startup becoming, quickly becoming uh, corporate, we, we said, you're going to get promoted to your level of incompetency. You're going to get promoted until you are incompetent. Now you can look around at many managers that you know. I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking about the a person in a job, right? So you don't have to be judgy about that person in particular and say, huh, do I do I see this anywhere? So in the Peter Principle, right, if you want to rise up in your career, and predominantly in the United States, this is how it is. You get a job, and if you want to be seen as successful, you get promoted. If you want to have a raise, you get promoted. If you want to move, quote unquote, forward in your career, you get promoted. If you want to, you know, be lauded at the holiday dinner table by your, right, your extended family for doing well, you get promoted. But what happens when you get promoted is your job completely changes. It really, really does. So, so let's talk about this, and I'm going to talk about this, how, how it relates to our spiritual path as well. But I'm going to give a story that in the 90s, I had a job that I really loved. I was a project manager. And when I went and got a master's in theater, that I didn't wasn't really into acting. I loved directing, and I loved stage managing. And it was that stage managing that got me the job in the, the budding internet industry where nobody even knew what job description to make because it was a completely new industry. So nobody had skills for it. So 
so because I had this ability to wrangle all sorts of folks in a, you'd say a high pressure timeline with an actual deadline. And I also knew how to code a bit, which back in the days was unheard of, right? <laughs> I got this job as a technology implementation coordinator at a at an internet company that was fast growing. It was fast growing because it was getting venture capital, which meant it was getting lots of infusions of cash and blah, 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 blah. The point is this. I was phenomenal at that job. I mean, truly, (laughs) I was great at it. And, you know, we were doing these massive projects with all these people and we kept getting better and better and better at it. Well, then what happens is, is I'm supposed to get promoted, right? That's what you hit your ceiling of, of money and whatever. And I didn't know any better at the time. So I was like, okay, I eventually got to the point where because of great things I was doing, I was managing a team in operations. I was managing a team of 13 people in operations and I wasn't happy and I was making more money. I definitely had more quote unquote, you know, clout in terms of my job title in the company, but I was, I ended up leaving. I ended up, I ended up uh, moving on to other things. Looking back, it was the Peter principle in effect in my life because what I had to do as a manager was a completely different job than what I had to do as a project manager. And a project manager, I was on the ground, I was with folks, I was talking to people, and I was having these individual relationships where I was like, oh, this person, you know, um, works this way, and this person needs this, and this person communicates this way, and this person communicates that way, and how do I bring things together? I was basically doing a lot of relationship coaching and a lot of people strategy, right? It was very fun for me and it was in my, it was definitely in my wheelhouse. Whereas management was a lot of um, HR work. It was a lot of budget uh, reports. It was a lot of, it, it just, it was completely different. And I was getting, and instead of being one of the people that was all trying to get things done, I was now getting information from upper, upper management that I had to then de- deploy to the people, whether I, agreed with it or not. And so it really pulled on my inner moral compass and my inner moral code in ways that was very uncomfortable for me. Looking back, if I would have felt confident that staying a project manager wasn't, I mean, hear those words, staying a project manager, right? Listen to our our inherent and our trained judgment about that. I'm going to stay a project manager. I would have stayed a project manager. I would have remained in my sweet spot and I would have been, I would have been happy. Or, I mean, at some point I'm sure I would have moved on. The company had changed and things like that. But even in, even as I know about the Peter principle and even as I know about my sweet spot, I'm even, you know, even those, that tone and that word comes to stay, to turn down a promotion, Right. And think about this. Think about this in our lives. Think about this in all of our lives, right? Do we feel that if we're not moving forward in quote unquote success about something that we are not achieving respect either for for ourselves or for others? We're not going to make more money or actually make more money if it's a 
if it's a job where they're offering you more money. If you are the person who runs a company, are you doing that to folks around you? And then you look around at the people around you and you say, wait a minute, this was an engineer, for example. Now they're a manager. Are they, maybe they're a terrible manager. Maybe they're a phenomenal engineer, right? And vice versa. Maybe somebody was a great manager and now they're not doing great in this other role they've got promoted to. Like if we could just get rid of the hierarchy, make it, you can't make it seemingly flat. You do need to have ways to disseminate like, you know, what to do and and when to get it done by and things like that. But just for the sake of this discussion, if you could flatten out the hierarchy and say, okay, based on each person's sweet spot, where would we put them, right? What a difference that would make, not only in people's joy, of course, but also in people getting things done. So I'm going to go back to the, to the, to the sort of traditional job thing. And I'm going to go back into like spiritual path or spiritual growth, even being a solopreneur, a spiritualpreneur, whatever, whatever it is. So as I'm, uh, this was back in the decades ago, as I was working on my spiritual path and my spiritual growth after I had done a lot of these other careers, I was looking around at folks who were doing big workshops and they, they still do them, right? You get all the people in the, at the, in the rooms at the hotels or whatever, and they're jumping up and down and there are these massive two day events. And I would look up at that and I would say, wow, you know, someday when I'm really good at this spiritual stuff, and I'm a really good spiritual teacher, a spiritual leader, I'm going to be able to lead one of these workshops. And one day I realized that that became, was becoming a block to me that I was thinking that I wasn't good enough. I, I, um, uh, there was something that I had to not, not aspire to. I wasn't really aspiring to it, but there was something that I had to be able to do. And because I wasn't doing it, that the work that I was doing wasn't, wasn't good. It's this whole thing about one-on-one work versus one-to-many work. If you only have a handful of clients and you're working with them, does that mean that the work that you're doing with them is is worse because you're not working with a thousand people, right? Of course it's not. <laughs> it's just different. So what did I do? I was like, well, gosh darn it. I'm not going to sit here and spend my life worrying about this, wondering about this. I'm going to put on a two-day workshop. And so with a very heavy lift, as in I had no idea, I had to learn everything. I, and I had to do all the logistics and I did not have a team putting it together for me, right? I got a bunch of people. I rented out space, uh, put money down to rent out space uh, in a hotel, figured out the whole schedule, figured out breaks and snacks and, you know, how much am I going to pay the hotel to bring in, you know, whatever, hot chocolate and coffee and whatever people drink and all those things. And I, then I went and did it. Now, how was it? Was it okay? I did pretty good for my first try, right? Keep in mind, it was my very first try. It was the only try that I've done of that. I didn't do any more of those. Um, it was my first try. So I think I was, it was pretty good. It was so eye-opening. It completely demystified this whole idea that, Oh, you know, when you do these really big events, it means that you are so good at what you do. What I realized was a workshop is a really, uh, um, a two day event is a really long workshop. That's all that it is. 
I mean, there's more to it. <laughs> In fact, I'm very close to somebody who would run massive two or three day events for some of the biggest corporations you've ever heard of. And, and they would definitely <laughs> give me a talk and say, there's way more to it than that. And there is because there's a balance between talking at people, talking with people, getting people to talk to each other, taking breaks, brainstorming, hands-on activities. There's a flow, right? To how you move through a bunch of days together, but it's basically, how do you get this information into the minds and into the application of people, right? Which happens in a one-on-one -on -one session. How do you get the information that you're imparting it to this person so that they can hear it and receive it and do something about it? It's the same thing with a two or three day uh, event. How do I get the information to the people so that they can do something about it? Yes, there's logistics and the format changes, but it demystified, right? The person for me, the person running these things. I was like, oh, okay. They're taking their information and they're putting into that format. They could be taking that information and putting it into a book format or a podcast format or a one-on-one -on -one session format or a, a Zoom format. Okay. So let's go back to the Peter principle, right? What I had done in that experiment for myself was removed the Peter principle from my feelings about spiritual work that I have to promote myself to being right a world traveling event person a spiritual event giver in order to quote-unquote advance in my spiritual career or advance as a spiritual teacher right I got rid of that I was like ah right the truth is there are so many things involved in a two-day workshop that are my level of incompetence. Anybody who knows me knows that like being an organizer of events, <laughs> not stage managing plays, right? Not, not those things, but like hosting things where people show up and there's like food and, and that type of stuff is not my forte. My, my sweet spot, especially in my 20s, was a friend would hold a party and I would be like the volunteer co-host. I would show up to the thing that they have organized and I would end up like, oh, answering the door and, you know, because I wanted to, right? Sort of like stage man. I would stage manage somebody else's play. Oh, refilling the toilet paper. Oh, oh you're into this and you're into that. Oh, let me introduce you to each other. I would help... <laughs> I would help facilitate somebody else's party. That's my sweet spot. Now, if I had a team of people, right, who were putting together a, a two or three day event and they said, hey, Laura, will you go up or will you channel or will you speak or will you lead this? I'd be like, I'm sure, no problem. But there's another reason why I would be able, I would be able to do that is, as you can tell, I am uh, I'm able to talk to groups of people. I mean, I did improv for like 30 years. I can even, you know, get on stage and, and, um, and, and riff and, and make mistakes and laugh about it. So I have some of those skill sets, but again, even if I didn't have the skill sets to stand on stage and talk to people, it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm bad at one-on-one -on -one work, right? The Peter principle. So let's go back and let's, let's apply this to all sorts of stuff. Do you think that in order to be a phenomenal 
spiritual person in life. You have to be somebody who can meditate for four hours a day, right? That you're going to have to graduate. You're going to have to raise up the hierarchy of, right, quote unquote, spiritual business so that like a yogi on a mountain, right, you can listen to the gong, sit down and not get up for four hours. Do you think that in order to, right, be a great parent or a great spouse or a great whatever it is that you have to dot, 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 dot. I mean, think about this. Think about this in all aspects of your life, right? What happens when you get to a, um, get elevated, quote unquote, to a place where you're not happy? Because right? here's the thing. We are happiest where we're most competent. Now, this doesn't mean don't stretch yourself, right? This doesn't mean don't go outside of your comfort zone to do something you're not sure how to do and you're not really good at at first to get better at it. You're being called to expand, right? But you'll find that the things that you love to do, truly love to do, you are able to do. The things that you truly love to do, you are able to do. Why? Because we live in an alignment, right? Highest good, you know, vibrational universe where we are being called to the things that are in alignment with us, right? We're being called to those things. So if we're being called to it, it means we are also what? We're inherently competent at it, or there is a competency in there that we can unlock, we're being called to unlock a competency that is in alignment with us. Now, you go back and you look at kids and you think, and, and young adults, you think, okay, great. Now you're going to, or, or look at yourself, you're going to start a career and you're going to start at this entry level job. And there might have been that job or somewhere along the way. Was there ever, was there ever in your career, was there ever a time you were really happy and you thought, I love doing this? And did that change? Now, there are lots of reasons why that can change. It can change because like, the company's going in a different direction. Your direct manager changed. But did your work change? Did what you're doing on a daily basis change? Did what you're focusing on, what your skill sets of yours, interests of yours that are being called upon, did those change? If you are a manager or if you're running a company, are you hiring people who are great at what they're doing, promoting them because that's what you're quote unquote supposed to do. And then finding that things aren't running as well as they could be. Now there are, I, I don't want to get into it in, in detail because I'm, I'm not exactly, I'd have to go re research the actual data, but I had heard that there are, uh, there's at least one other country where the Peter principle isn't the normal way to do things. You could be an engineer at a, at a company and you could stay an engineer, like if you're a computer engineer, and because you're really good at what you do, you continue to get promotions and you continue to garner respect while staying doing the job that you're really good at, that you really love. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if we did that? Like you got, you know, you, you got re 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 rewarded, but there was this system there was this expectation that when we found a sweet spot for somebody, they would continue to be more respected for knowing more about that and continuing to do that and getting better at that. And, right, you know, I'm seeing somebody in a, in a boat holding like 
you know, <laughs> different ropes, right? Ho ho holding these, holding these ropes so that the boat, right, the project, the company, whatever it is, can 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 sail its seas and blah blah blah, right? Metaphor, metaphor, metaphor. To go back to like this per personal growth path and the spiritual path, right? We often learn from folks who have written books or who are speakers or all of these things, right? And because of, I'm, I'm in the United States, so, you know, you'll have to reapply this if you raised in a different um, place with, with different cultural expectations. But there really is this thing here about bigger is better, <laughs> you know, bigger is better. Do you, do you ever look at that and think, you know, oh, in the back of your mind, if I'm going to do spiritual work, that's what that's going to have to look like eventually. That's what success is. Do you ever think, oh, well, if I become like a really good, you know, coach, that's what I, that has to look like. Or, oh, just, or if I just become really good at doing, you know, energy work, that's what has, that has to look like. I want to bring this up so you can see the Peter principle when it, when it shows up. And then you can say, all right, this has been pr probably ingrained in me <laughs> potentially since I was born. What are you going to be when you grow up? And then how are you going to achieve more <laughs> from there? But if I could set that aside for a minute, what does it look like? What does it look like without that hierarchy? I, I learned from a 13th generation holy one, a Kiropachi woman who sits in circle. And some of her circles that I sit in, there will be like 12 of us, 13 of us, eight of us sometimes, depends on who, on who shows up because she'll do in-person stuff or non-in-person stuff. The information that she gives is phenomenal. Is it less phenomenal because there aren't 500 people in an, in a, a Marriott hotel or some type of a hotel, whatever name it is, I, I'm not partial to, to any hotel chain or otherwise. Is it different because she's not? You would say, no, of course not. There's this indigenous wisdom that's here. There's this sitting around the fire. There's this imparting of this incredible, you know, stuff, but we're also when you talk about a 13th generation something, you're also, your mind is also being cast back and called to these pasts where, you know, groups were smaller. We didn't have all this technology. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have these big corporations in these big cultures. And so sitting around the fire was natural. Well, we are where we are. What's natural now, right? or what can be more natural now based on where we're at in society and, and, and how it's, it's set up or how it could be moved to re reset up, to change, to evolve, right? You know, with, with the technology that we have and all, on all those types of things. These are questions that yet to be answered, right? So that's the concept that I, I wanted to bring up. And I wanted to bring it up in terms of you looking around. Now there's this, there's this um, tool. Oh, I feel called. <laughs> my, my guidance is like, <gasps> talk about this. So there's this tool that um, called the airport tool where one time I was, I don't know if I'd read about this, but somehow the information had come to me that back in the day, by the way, you could meet your loved ones at the airport gate when they got off the airplane. So when you got off the plane and you entered the terminal, your loved ones could be standing there with a sign and a balloon or just like very excited to see you. And it was really wonderful. Now you can't, you have to wait on the other side of security. So, but just picture back in the day, um, 
I used to sit at airports a lot because I was traveling a lot for my job, nationally travel and internationally travel. And you would see these folks come off the airplane and they would have these like these sourpuss faces, right? This, you know, not cranky. And when you look at these cranky faces, you think, oh, your, your instinct is I don't like this person. Right? If you're looking at just the visual cues and you're not tuning into the overall or the deeper energy or whatever. And then I would see these people spot somebody waiting for them in the terminal and their whole face would light up and it would transform into joy. And I thought, that's the person I want to get to know. It's the same person. The same person who came off the airplane with that sourpuss face and, and then transformation. And so the the one of the ideas was with this air, airport tool was to go through the airport and imagine all of these people with that face when they see somebody they love and it transforms. What would be their transformational face? And it changed my entire viewpoint of looking at crowds, right? And also feeling love for humans and humanity. And, and also even energetically as a sensitive person, like feeling good walking through all of these crowds. So to take that concept and to apply it here, right? If you could relook at everybody, if you're like working in a big company, for example, if you could relook at everybody, you could ask that manager, hey, what were, what job did you have? What were some of the things you had in your career growing up? Can you tell me about some of your favorite times working? And, you know, sort of listen to the kinds of jobs that they were doing and they were really feeling happy. And then if you go through and you imagine everybody in this in this job, in their sweet spot job, right? Their quote unquote, for me, it would be that project manager spot, like um, in that particular company. What would they look like? How would they act? Would they be less cranky? Would they have more inspired ideas? Would they be happier? Would they spontaneously do more things like, hey, (laughs) you know, great idea or team building exercise, whatever it is, right? What if everybody in the company was not in a Peter Principal position, if they are, but they were in their sweet spot position? What would that look like? And then from there, now you're accessing vibrationally the parts of them that are in alignment with, well, in alignment with them, but also in alignment with joy, light, love, positivity, right? And then what happens is if you can start picturing that, you can then start, because like attracts like and whatever you focus on amplifies, you then are amplifying those parts of them that are awesome. Now, this would shake things up. When people get activated into their highest joy, they tend to, they'll move to their highest joy. So maybe maybe there'll be some, some job changes. But right then you look at a kid and you look at, um, you look at a, 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 a Anybody that you know is young and you think, okay, they were really happy doing this. Did they get pressured by me or other people to quote unquote advance? And how are they doing now? And if we didn't have this hierarchy, what what would they want to do? Right. What would they want to do? I keep thinking about there was a story. I know somebody who talked to somebody who said, my son, this other person said, my son was in this really, really, really was doing this, I can't remember what career it was, but some type of a career with some type of a college education that people would think was a really big deal. And the kid said, I need to quit. I want to make violins. And now, (laughs) they had never done anything like this. And 
what? Make violins for a living. Like what kind of a living is that? And the dad said, follow your heart. And the kid did. And they are renowned and successful in that as in doing making beautiful really wonderful violins they are happy (laughs) they are happy now they don't have a job right that you can talk to at the holiday table my child is doing x y and z and everybody goes right 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 it's a different way of, of going about things but again i think that i know that without meaning to we apply this Peter Principle thing to not just our careers, if we have uh, careers outside of, like we have careers like in companies and things like that. We apply it to, potentially apply it to our lives, right? If I was a great mother, I would be doing this, promote myself to this kind of mother or parents. If I was, you know, if our relationship, my spouse's relationship was successful, I would promote it to influencer relationship success, right? We'd be be posting things on, we would be known for posting about our relationship on Instagram. Like um, these probably are terrible examples, but getting my point spiritually, if I was going to be better and, and, and more promoted spiritually, I would be doing X, Y, or Z. It's like, if your sweet spot is sitting in a field of flowers and talking to the flowers and feeling the earth and knowing that this deep healing is happening and that feels good for you, why would you say to that person when right, you have to promote your, you have to, you have to write a book about it, <laughs> right? <laughs> what is that? Now, again, this doesn't mean don't push yourself. It means go where you're feeling called to do, not, not because of, of this other concept, right? And we'll also separate it and say, which would be a completely different podcast about the topic. Yes, of course, people need to live, right? Money, those types of things. But needing more money and wanting more money is a separate is a separate story. So say the person is sitting in the field and they're, you know, talking to flowers, but they say, I, I need more money. One of the ways they could get money, of course, is to, you know, gather other folks who want to do that and teach them how and charge them money for that. But that's a money idea. And if it is, if it is in their sweet spot, if they, it is in their highest joy to do that, they might be called to do that. But if they're not called to do that, but they like working and sitting in flowers and they don't want to do anything else that they can think of. They might think with all of this training about, you know, how to make your way in the world. They might think, all right, I have to do something with this in order to be successful about it or to have a life, right? You got to be conscientious when you pick through these thoughts that you're having. Where is this thought coming from? Is this an inspired thought? Is this a trained thought? How did I come to this conclusion about what I quote unquote should or shouldn't be doing? Did I come to that conclusion because there was something in me that had an epiphany or revelation or because I think that's what I'm quote unquote supposed to do? Where did that supposed to do come from? And with that, knowing about the Peter principle might reveal a lot of where this stuff comes from. Yes? Yes. 